Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is July the 8th, 2022, and forgeries, art fakes are back in the news. Really interesting piece. Uh, a few days ago, the American contemporary artist Jean-Michel Basquiat. Um, some of his paintings were seized by the FBI from or the Orlando Museum of Art as fakes. Um, and the Museum of Art director is out. I don't know if he was involved in the fraud, the crime, but certainly he's out. It's a huge scandal in Orlando. And uh, as the Orlando Weekly reminds us, the Museum has a lot of cleanup ahead of what it calls the uh, Basquiat scam. It's not the first or the last, of course. It's huge money in art, in uh, uh, in the art world, in the in in the in the sale and the buying and selling of of, of major pieces of art, uh, which of course brings in the criminals. We did a show with uh, the novelist Erica Katz recently on what she calls the high-stakes world of art forgery. She's a novelist, um, and her book, Fake a Novel, uh, is doing extremely well. And there's a new fictional player. Well, perhaps not quite so new, but certainly a new player in the fake world. It's Daniel Silver. You all know him. He's the number one New York Times best-selling author of many, many books. And he has a new book coming out next week called Portrait of an Unknown Women. Uh, uh, sorry, Portrait of an Unknown Woman, not Women. Uh, Daniel is the author of many, many books, a shameful amount of books from most authors' point of view. Not quite sure how he writes them all, but he certainly is a remarkably prolific writer. And he's joining me, Daniel. Welcome. What is it about fakes that uh, intrigues you so much? Why have you written a book, Portrait of an Unknown Woman, your new novel, your forthcoming novel about the world of art fakes? Well, I think, um, like a lot of people who are interested in art, um, I've always uh, been interested in the problem of forgery, both as a um, as a moral problem that that afflicts the um, the trade, the industry, the business, um, but also a certain fascination for those who can stand in front of a of a blank canvas uh, and imitate, uh, you know great masters. I find it, um, not that I, I don't have any romantic feelings about these people. I don't think of them as sort of swashbuckling heroes who are, um, you know, fooling, fooling the, the, the art world and, and therefore deserving of praise. I, I think they're, they're, they're criminals. Uh, but I do, I do find them fascinating. Um, this book was really inspired by a real life um, scandal that erupted in France a few years ago. Um, it began when the French police um, seized a, a painting uh, thought to be a Lucas Cronach the Elder that uh, belonged to uh, His Serene Royal Highness, the Prince of Liechtenstein. And in very short order, um, we discovered that, that other um, uh, potential forgeries emerged from the same source, uh, including a, a painting by Franz Hall's Portrait of a Man that literally, and there, there's no other way to say it, fooled the best eyes in the business, including 
experts at the Louvre, including um, experts in the Netherlands who were, were um, uh, you know, perhaps the foremost expert um, on Franz Hals in the Netherlands, believed it to be absolutely uh, a, a newly discovered painting by Franz Hals, which it was not. Um, and, you know, that's um, what inspired this book, the fact that, that um, that there was a forger out there who could paint old masters. You know, many most forgers concentrate on 20th century works uh, for the simple reason that they're much easier to forge. They're also quite valuable. This fellow, um, I'm going to I'm not I'm going to not going to say his name because he hasn't been prosecuted yet. But this guy could stand in front of a canvas and paint uh, like Lucas Cronach the Elder, like Franz Halls, like Orazio Gentilesi, an extraordinarily talented painter, and he knew how to construct the paintings in a way that they could fool, as I said, the best eyes in the business. And that, that was the genesis for this novel, and I, I took it from there. Did you ever see uh, Orson Welles' movie F of Fake? I, I haven't. I haven't. And I, I am so, uh, I was unaware of um, dying to read Fake uh, by Erica Erica Katz? Yeah, Erica. She's uh, a lovely, uh, she's based that. in New York. Where Where do you live, uh, Daniel? Um, I am, I divide my time between Florida and Washington. Okay, well, next time you're in New York, you should look her up. Uh, I, think, I, shouldn't, I think she'd be thrilled to meet you. I can introduce you if you want. That, that'd be wonderful. Um, yeah, so, of course, uh, but, but getting uh, back to Wells' great movie, F for Fake, was you know, in a Wellesian way, was a kind of celebration of the thing that, that you write about, uh, Daniel, in Portrait of an Unknown Woman. You mentioned Franz Hals. The artist at the heart of your book, uh, it's a novel, of course, is Anthony Van Dyke. Yes. Different kind of artist from Hals. Or do you see them in, in, in similar ways? Van Dyke, of course, uh, is considered a, a, Fle a Flemish Baroque painter. He I is. seen differently, right? He's Dutch golden age. I think we would put him in that category. Um, Van Dyck, um, one of the things you're going to pick up by reading the novel, you're going to get a little bit of an And I don't want to give a, by the way, Daniel, I'm not going to give away too much about the novel because we want everyone to read it. So we'll uh, talk friend, elliptically um, about it. Uh, Franz, uh, excuse me, uh, Van Dyck was a uh, wildly successful uh, painter, um, operated two very busy um, studios, one um, um, on the continent and, and one in England. The one in England was known as the Beauty Shop. It was like a well-oiled conveyor belt where a, a, a well-to-do British lady would sit and have her sketch made, and that sketch would be um, uh, transferred to a canvas. Studio assistants would, would do the, 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 the broad brush, no pun intended, work on the painting. Van Dyke would come in and paint the face. Um, and and he, this was a well-oiled, lucrative operation that he had. Um, he is considered you know, one of the greatest um, portrait painters um, of, of all time. Um, he had many imitators. Um, many, many of his works were copied later, um, uh, pa paintings that, that, um, he did within the studio were copied by studio assistants. There's a great deal of, of attribution problem, uh, uh, with Anthony Van Dyke. So he's perfect for, for what I was working on. And occasionally one pops up, um, it, it emerges. Yeah, I'm curious, from, uh, um, 
Um, from, Curious, from Daniel. The... Um, did you ever think of yourself in this context? You're, of course, the author of, of many books. You might, I'm not suggesting like Van Dyke, you have an assembly line, but you must have a process and a team that helps you. Could somebody fake a Daniel Silver? <laughs> uh, yes, I have a process. Um, no, I don't have a team. Um, I do all my own research. Um, I have art experts um, looking over my shoulder. I'll tell you, I got an A plus on, on, this, on this paper. I didn't make a single mistake in all, all the... Uh, um, art references that I made in, in the manuscript. Um, and sure, sure. I mean, if you just um, um, do the equivalent of what a forger does, I mean, a good forger, as I point out in the book, uh, without giving anything away, but uh, one of my character, my character, Gabriel Lawn, who's an art restorer, becomes a forger. And what a good forger does is he immerses himself in, in the person that he's about to forge, and he becomes that person if if you're tentative at the, at, at the at the at the at the easel if your brush strokes look tentative it's a dead giveaway you must inhabit that artist's soul and paint with great confidence like him um so and sure of course gabriel alon i don't get away too many secrets but yeah. Um, he's an old spy an israeli intelligence officer a, a figure who could have walked out of uh, at least an Israeli Le Carre uh, novel. So um, perhaps f faking art is not that unfamiliar to a spy because the business of spying is also a form of fakery. Well, it? Gabriel Gabriel comes from a long line of, of painters. His grandfather was a, a well-known German expressionist painter. His, his mother was one of um, Israel's um, most prominent painters, early Israel's most prominent painters. Um, he was an art student. Um, he ended up becoming a, an art restorer. Um, and a good art restorer, um, it, it would be a dangerous person to have with, with a brush in his or her hand because they, on a daily basis, they mimic the work of, of painters when, they're, when they are repairing blank spots and doing, and doing retouches and in painting. So they are, would be, and better still, they know how paintings <clears throat> are constructed. He knows what's going on underneath the surface. He knows how to mimic that um, and create a, create a, a canvas that, that could be x-rayed and examined and, and fool everybody. You, you talk about Gabriel as if he's real. Um, what, what, what do you think he looks like, Gabriel Alon, the fictional... <laughs> Hero, if that's the right word of your book, does he look? <coughs> what is he? Does he look like a Le Carre hero or an anti-hero? He looks like he's he is um, medium of of in build and stature, as what I describe him. He's he's quite slight. Um, his hair went very gray, prematurely gray, uh, from exhaustion and tension and and grief, frankly, um, uh, from the first operation that, that he was involved in, Operation Wrath of God, which was undertaken after the Munich Olympic massacre. So his hair went prematurely gray. So he has very gray temples. And I guess the most memorable feature about Gabriel is he has unusually green emerald, emerald colored eyes, jade colored eyes. He does have an appreciation for beautiful things, not just art, but also women. He has a beautiful <laughs> wife, Kiara. Um, who is a part of the narrative too. It, it, 
Yeah, Tell me a little Kiara. bit about Kiara, um, uh, Daniel, uh, not Daniel Silver. Right? That was a Freudian era, Daniel. Uh, <laughs> Gabriel Allon's uh, wife. She appeared in the um, third book of the series. Um, Gabriel had a, 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 a family that was destroyed by an act of terrorism. Um, getting remarried again was a, was an ordeal. Fans of the series know that it was over so a period of... So which film was uh, Gabe... Uh, did she appear in? Which of your... Uh, uh, he, he, Kiara, Kiara appeared for the first time in a book called The Confessor. Um, she okay. is an Italian Jew um, born and raised in the um, old ghetto in, in Venice. Um, she was an Israeli intelligence operative herself. And um, they met uh, during the course of The Confessor, uh, had an on and off relationship for a couple of books. They were wed at the end of a book called The Secret Servant, and they finally had children. Um, at, uh, they, the children were born at the end of a book called The, the English Spy. Um, they had decided to, when Gabriel retired, um, and he retires at the beginning of this novel. They decided to leave Israel to avoid just him getting dragged back in uh, to to um, uh, to the office over and over again. They didn't want that, so they settled in Venice. Um, so, and, and, gave, and Venice, of course, is the perfect and I use this word carefully canvas for a spy novel, given its history, given its long tradition of one kind of spying or another so it must have been a lot of fun it, it, and i'm uh, sure you use lots of excuses um uh, daniel to to spend a little bit of time in venice for, for quote unquote research right <laughs> for quote unquote research yeah I, I i had hoped um to actually spend some extended time in venice in the, the last couple of years um working on 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 the books and it just, you know, with the pandemic, um, I couldn't make it make a go of it. I was desperate to go there when, when the pandemic emptied the place out, um, and, and Venice became so clean. I don't know if you saw the, the amazing photographs. Yeah, the canals. The like canals everybody, ran. I've been there for a while. Yeah. I mean, I, I went there about three. Or, I, I try to go once a year in normal times, but it's oh, hard these look days. Look at you. The you know, the photographs of that the canals ran perfectly clear. Uh, extraordinary, um, but just wasn't able to um, um, make a go of it with the pandemic. But the long history of Venice, particularly at its pomp in the 14th and 15th centuries, was one of, of, of almost a cult of spying. I mean, it was a surveillance state before we invented the term surveillance state, wasn't it? It was. It had a um, um, ruling council and the, and the, the doge, of course, um, and for the Jews of Venice, um, life wasn't always so great. Um, and so they were confined uh, to the Ghetto Nuovo. Yeah, and that's where the, the, the original term ghetto came from. It came from there. Um, and so Chiara is actually a descendant of Spanish Jews who were kicked out of Spain in 1492 and, and settled in Venice. And her father is the chief rabbi of Venice. Um, and so that is the the backdrop and the setting for this, what I think will be the you know the the final lap of the series. Uh, Gabriel and Kiara are Venetians. They they operate the most prominent restoration company in Venice. Kiara runs the business. Gabriel restores the paintings and gets into trouble. 
I have to ask you, Dan, about the title, Portrait of an Unknown Woman. It's a yeah. book about, it's a novel about fakery invention. Uh, there are other titles. There's The Portrait of an Unknown Woman. Um, May I love that of, painting, by the way. By, by uh, Russian artist. And there's yeah. also another book, uh, Portrait of an Unknown Woman, about art by Venora Bennett. And it's about uh, Sir Thomas More and Holbein. I'm sure you're familiar with the book. I'm did not you, familiar with the book. Did you struggle, though, with the title, Portrait of an Unknown Woman? It's a wonderful title, of course, a very romantic, suggestive one. No, I, I, um, I had a, I can't remember what I called the first draft. And then as I was, as I was, um, you know, in, these, these paintings, portraits, they, 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 we, when we lose track of their, their provenance and who the, who the actual figure is in, in the painting, then they become things like, like the Franz Hals the painted was portrait of a man. We don't know who the guy is. Um, and the, the painting at the center of, of, um, of this mystery, we don't know the identity of, of, of the woman. So I chose portrait of an unknown woman for the title. I thought it was, it was perfect. Yeah, it also brought to mind, you, you talked about Franz Hals, the paintings, for example, of Vermeer, often with women, unknown women at the heart. I know. I know. Um, woman in Blue, for example, one of my favorite paintings. Uh, in those days, of course, four or 500 years ago, when, um, when Sir Anthony Van Dyke was painting or Franz Hals or Vermeer, you could paint unknown women. You can't do that today, can you, Ant? Uh, uh, can you, uh, Daniel? Well, uh, I mean, she with, would... With make... Instagram and Google and YouTube <laughs> and all that. TikTok. Facial, facial recognition software. Um, well, she wasn't unknown at the time she was painted, that's for sure. Someone commissioned her, um, her father or her husband. Um, so he, her identity was known. It, it was just lost as, as, the, as the painting changed. Uh, changed hands um but no there's something mysterious about that and, and um you know now every 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 face can be identified and 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 searched backward we can there are software programs for facial recognition to identify every face that you see um uh on the internet if we had a photograph of franz halls for example we could we could run a search of the internet and pull up every well that, that doesn't necessarily um, reduce the scams. I mean, look what happened in Florida with uh, the the Basque stuff. So, well, that you can is go uh, online and check out stuff. Doesn't mean that you can't have huge scams. Um, you know, I was um, when those paintings emerged. I want to be very careful because I don't know what's going on legally. But when those paintings emerged from that, um, I guess they were in a storage bin or storage container in in. Los Angeles of all places, 25 Basquiat's. I was, I was a little dubious about that. It seemed to me to be, um, it, it just was problematic to think that there'd be 25 Basquiat's sitting there. And, and um, you know, m most forgery scandals have a very similar uh, motif. They are always um, un uh, previously unknown works from a previously unknown collection. It's just that they all are, are like that. Um, the, the scandal in, in, in New York at, at the, at the Nodler gallery, uh, this, um, 
art dealer from Lo from Long Island comes in and says, "I've, I've got a, I've got a Rothko from the from a collector." Yeah, I never can't trust an art dealer from Long Island. <laughs> I can't tell you his name, but he's very, 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 very prominent. He has a prominent collection, but it, no one knew about it. But here's a Rothko, and 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 the the automatic reaction it seems to me should be extreme skepticism and yet time and time and time again um auction houses and and, and gallerists get get taken in by this um it, it happened wolfgang baltracci same thing uh yeah, he's incredible in, I, i'm curious incredible. uh daniel I, I saw the um you were on television recently and you made a comment about Putin yeah. taking pages from Hitler's playbook. So you have some interest in Putin. I don't think you're a huge fan. We've done a number, as, as most of us aren't, we've done a number of shows about the dirty money KGB, sort of KGB capitalism emanating from Moscow. It seems a lot of the crypto scams, for example, originate from Moscow. I wonder if the fake art world now, if there is a center to, to fake art, whether it's also in Moscow. Do you think Putin is has has teams of, 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 of artists creating Western masterpieces that they can flood the Western market with? I don't think so. But I have um, last year's book, The Cellist, um, uh, focused, focused exclusively on Russia's use of money, its wealth, you can see it right there, uh, as a, as a to destabilize the West, uh, to wreak havoc on Western democracy. Um, so it's a it's a topic that I have researched and explored at length. Um, and maybe the the subject of another book, but, even if but it's the, not uh, a, a Gabriel Alon Chiara Alon book, it could be. They do. Uh, there are um, major major Russian collectors. Um, that is for. They are they are movers and shakers on the art world. That is. Perhaps sure. it's no coincidence. The portrait of an unknown woman is 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 a supposedly at least a Russian piece of art. Uh, Daniel, is. I can't let you go without talking a little bit about the craft. A lot of people are going to be listening. Think I want to be Daniel Silver when I grow up. Um, <laughs> how? I, I mean, you're the master. You're the number one New York Times bestselling author of all these different books. Any hints, suggestions? How long did this book take you? Well. It, it, it takes me um, the amount of time that I have, okay? Uh, that's the best way to answer it. Um, I, I, I start writing the new book immediately after I hand in the previous book just because I can't stop thinking about a book unless I start a new book. So I scribble a little bit in June. Um, um, July is really publication. Uh, um, August, I recover, but then I try to get get going by the end of August, full steam, um, and then I hand in April April first and edit. But it's so, an annual thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I publish every 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 July. Um, second Tuesday of July is my is my pub date, um, and so I, I mean, I work every day. Um, I try not to overdo it in the first couple of months, but by by the time December first, I'm I'm working from eight until five, sitting at the at the keyboard, um, banging away. Um, so there's no, there's no mystery to it. Um, 
I, I work very hard at it. Um, no distractions, no cheering. No distractions. I, I, I keep the, the, the computer that I write on is not connected to the internet. Um, I do keep a, uh, that's wise. I think a, a laptop nearby, uh, for, for research, um, you know, things like that. But I, I keep the lid closed and I keep my phone in another room. I, I really just don't want to have the phone ring. It just breaks my concentration. It takes, takes several minutes to get back to where I was. So, um, I, I keep myself very isolated when I'm working. Um, and, but again, there's, there's, there's no secret to it. And I think that most writers would say the same thing, except that, um, how many books have you written? How many? This novels? is number 25. 25. And have they all been New York times bestsellers? Um, I can say that, that they have, uh, my first book was a, was a top 10 New York times bestseller. And so I'm very lucky uh, to be able to say that, but yeah, all my books. And is that because you've just got legions armies of fans? (laughs) Well, I didn't start out with them, um, but I, I I understand, but you've scaled Daniel Silver. You haven't faked him but every time you come out with a new book you're guaranteed a certain amount of sales because people just love your work i will i have a built-in fan base um i have a character that um that um i have uh, devoted fans um i i like to think of them as alaniacs um we and we have uh it's sort of a community that that has has developed that that we're able to hold together with Facebook and, and Twitter and and email. Um, we I have direct contact with with uh, numerous um, fans. Uh, my wife um, stays in direct contact with them uh, for me, and, and it's just wonderful. We just have a so it's a family a business, like like Alon. Oh, it's very much a family business. My wife is my my. Um, Kiara manager. My wife is my Kiara. She is my manager, my agent and my primary editor. But she doesn't write the books. What about that story, Daniel, of the, the wife who really wrote the books? I hope she doesn't oh, do the writing. Uh, what, what was that? I can't remember. Was who was that? It was... It was um, um, they made a movie about it. Oh, I know. It's, oh, I just, it's uh, Jonathan Price and... Um, uh, what's her name? Um, I not God, yeah, I can't believe no, I'm no, doing no. this on the air, but um, yeah, it, it's an excellent movie. Uh, no, oh, but we can't remember the name. My wife but, is too busy, too busy. She's a uh, she's a probably does. I mean, it's probably easier to do what you do than what she does. <laughs> she I wish has, I had a wife like that. She has been uh, doing extraordinary work covering the January 6th um, uh, committee hearings and investigation for. CNN. Time and time again, she has broken enormous stories. Of, um, oh, she's also a, a journalist. She she is. Yeah, she works for CNN. She's a, a special correspondent for CNN. Television journalist. Uh, what's her name? Jamie Gangel. Wow. Well, we'll have to get her on the show to talk about January 6th. Well, congratulations, Daniel, um, on, on this wonderful new book. Uh, another you. book about uh, Gabriel Alon for the many people who love him. I'm going to cheat a little bit here. Okay. We always ask our authors, um, Daniel, Daniel, for 
recommendations, but I know you were on the Today Show recently, and you I was five books to read this I, summer. Yeah, I did. Um, it was a fun summer. And, and before we start, though, is there a, a spy novelist who stands behind uh, Daniel Silver? Is there a man you or know, woman I, who really I love, inspired you? I, I, I love... Uh, um, Le Carre. I love Graham Greene's works that deal yeah. with es espionage. I, I love the books of Len Dayton. Um, I, you know, I'm just, I think of myself as a blend between, um, I mean, I, in, truth be told, I'm a literary novelist masquerading as a thriller writer, um, but I do blend in a lot of commercial um, uh, influences into my work. Um, and I, I think that's, that's the secret sauce that I write in it. But you've done in, the in best literary thing. I mean, way if you were, I do you're able to write in a literary way and sell, that's the hardest thing of all. Correct. Correct. Um, so yeah, I, um, I did, I did the picks for the Today Show. I, I did. So I let, let's talk today. briefly about five of these books. The first oh, there she is. I love, I love this book, um, uh, The Lunar Housewife uh, by Caroline. Uh, Woods. It's a, it's a, um, it's a murder mystery and uh, Cold War spy story set um, in the in the New York literary world in the 1950s and has wonderful cameo appearances by Ernest Hemingway and Truman Capote and Arthur Miller. Um, it's a, it's a, it's really a delight. Um, and the reviews at the New York Times and Wall Street Journal. Um, Publishers Weekly. She got fantastic reviews for the book and deservedly so. Um, Moving on, uh, the Pope. Of War. The Pope at War. Like I, being I, written by uh, Daniel Silver. They, well, this is David Kurtzer. He has written um, uh, two or three books about um, the Vatican and the and the Holocaust and the war. Um, he wrote, a, I think he won the Pulitzer for, I believe he won it for Mussolini, the book Mussolini, the Pope and Mussolini. Um, and this is it just, he got, he got, uh, unprecedented access to the Vatican secret archives, a dream come true for a scholar. And the result is probably the most important book ever written about, about the Vatican, Pope Pius XII and the war. Wow, that's quite a compliment. Many books written about the papacy. Yeah, this um, is um, Mark Greeny, the the Gray Man. Yeah, this was. Uh, they asked me to um, to do a page to screen pick, um, and I I picked the Gray Man for the simple reason that on the I guess the twenty second on Netflix is going to debut the most expensive original Netflix motion picture ever made. They spent two hundred million dollars adapting the gray man um in, into this into an original motion picture on netflix um it had it um oh gosh and now i'm blanking on the this the stars ryan gosling is in it uh and chris evans right chris the, evans the, and the Rain assassins the russo brothers um are behind it um it's a giant giant film but the book's, I assume the book's pretty good too. The book, um, he's, you know, he's best known for his long collaboration with Clancy, Tom Clancy, the late Tom Clancy. He wrote this in 2009. Yeah. Um, I, and I think it was sort of in and out of production a couple of times. Um, and now Netflix 
snatched it up and turned it into a blockbuster. Have and, you have you sold the movie rights to Portrait of an, of an Unknown Woman? I have. I I right now I, I've sold the the um, because it, the Elan books. I can't sell them one book at a time. You know, I've got to sell the entire series. So I've done it a couple of times, and and um, for one reason or another, the project has not come. Who to would me. you like to play Elan if, if you had your choice? <laughs> you. Um, you well, know, I, I, know, I, I, I don't think I'd be very good. I, I think that um, I always worry about s script first and then actors uh, second. There's a number of people that 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 I I have in mind for it. Um, well, if, if any of you fancy being Gabriel uh, <laughs> Gabriel uh, Alon, uh, send uh, send a note contact, to Daniel. Contact uh, my wife. Fourth novel, wife. Uh, The It Girl by Ruth Ware. What's yeah, that? you know what? I loved The Woman in Cabin 10 when it came out. Um, and this book has gotten rave, rave reviews. It comes out um, next Tuesday, I believe. Um and I just I love Ruth, and and I hope she does well with this book. So I picked that one as the as the thriller. And finally, uh, last book is uh, Geraldine Brooks, um, Pulitzer Prize winning novelist. Uh, she won the Pulitzer for her two thousand and six book uh, March. Um, this one uses the very interesting concept. Uh, tells the story of a legendary nineteenth um, um, century racehorse probably the greatest racehorse in american history and it uses that as a vehicle to tell a, a just a heart-wrenching story about about the the roots of slavery and the legacy of slavery um, in in contemporary america 